Hey, I'm Scotty Young, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> He's so cute. He waited for the go. I always know. What are you talking about? I know, but I was trying to like switch it up. I was about to do it too, and you said go. And I was like, you shocked me. No, that was a wonderful surprise. I have a new monitor. A new monitor, yeah? Yeah. What'd you get? Well, it's just a big Samsung 32 inch. Ah. But I finally swapped out my Cintiq, my my old dinosaur Cintiq, because I don't use it. And it just took too much desk space. Mm-hmm. So now I have a nice, flat, higher resolution screen. And I, I just got rid of it. Not got rid of it. I just put it in storage. Put it in there. Okay. Yeah. MP4s look a lot better. That's good. How old was, how old was the... Uh, oh, jeez. It's a, it's a first-generation Cintiq. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, do you even have... Are they still making drivers for current versions of OS or? Well, see, that's a sticky wicket because I can't use a proprietary driver to begin with because it is Linux. So I'm using a clone driver. Well, I was using a clone driver. Now it's just a generic because I got the NVIDIA in the machine. Mm -hmm. So it's just a generic NVIDIA driver now. I think that's what it was before. I don't think the the actual driver for the, the screen part of the Cintiq was semi gray area but the video aspect of the cintiq was a i'm sure it was just a standard nvidia driver i never used it i don't do digital anymore i just do everything real so keeping it real why have it right and we're keeping it real here on 11 o'clock comics episode 656 i love the palindromes <laughs> yeah and i am vince b i should have a palindrome for my name but I'm, it's are. impossible you are a palindrome of vince b and i am david a price that is true my metal men because i am dr will magnus oh yeah are you caught up on that you must be <laughs> <What>? <laughs> No, I don't even know if he knows that there's a current metalman. You, you don't. I didn't know that there was. Oh, yeah. dude, Omac is in the last one. Oh, oh well, uh, uh, the Dio Omac. The Dio, no. and, yeah, he, well, he was. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, <laughs> was his favorite character. <laughs> yeah. and, and is it Aaron LaPresti? <laughs> who's, who's doing the art? Uh, I can look it up. I don't know offhand, but um, I think maybe LaPresti. If you want to look it up, when I say no, no, you're not Will Magus. You're Jason Wood, although I wouldn't mind hanging around with Platinum, <laughs> right? Get on your knees and thank the patrons for making this happen because they are the ones that elevated y'all, and now you get an extra you get an extra two episodes a month. Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. Go check it out. Man, was that a soft sell or what? Mm. Oh my God! In my rush to get to the computer, I have absolutely nothing to drink. Whoa. Yeah. I just got home like 10 minutes ago before I was talking to Dap, and I have nothing to drink. Yeah, it's a 12-issue series. Uh, Shane Davis, that's it. Oh, yes. Shane Davis. But yes, written by Dan DiDio. At so, least as of uh, the February solicits, uh, number 7 of 12 is written by Dan DiDio. Yeah. It looks good. I'm sure it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like Shane. It, it's... um. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like I'll 
Metal Men isn't necessarily a book that I need to read when it's coming out. No. I can get a collection or I can buy them in the back issues and, and just read them at my leisure. Um, I've always liked the idea of the Metal Men. Yeah. Especially when illustrated by Jose Garcia Lopez. Nah, you're talking. And, and her heard. Yep. And Ross Andrew. <laughs> had to go there. Yeah. So uh, you're not drinking anything. Nothing. I'm sorry. I can go get something, but... Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I have the bottle of Freak Show. There's a little bit left in it. Oh, there you go. Oh, the I'm swill. Get it. That I'm going to get it. Wait. That last little chug lug. And I'm drinking um, it right out of the bottle. You're hardcore. This was a great day for all of you would-be socialists, because capital markets plummeted today. So, uh... I got to keep it. Uh, I got to keep it focused. Can't get my uh, drink on. Got plenty to do tomorrow. So I am drinking another one of those delicious lactose-free lattes I mentioned last episode, and a heaping thirty-two to forty ounces of of H two O. Okay. Well, since bonus app, hey, I, you know, I can't. Uh, yeah. You can't all be about the drink every day. No, you know what? No Anything drink. goes on the bonus episodes. That's right. Yeah. I was I was very close to, to just um, kicking it with some seltzer, but I decided to have some um, Bogle Essential Red with dinner. So I'm just nursing the rest of that glass. All right. Cool. It's been a, a weird week so far. Yeah. Does anyone have any thank yous before we move on? Yes. Uh, from our good pal, Drew. Van Gendron? Yep. Uh, I came home to a nice-sized envelope in the mailbox, and inside were four things that I have never heard of um, and can't wait to dig in. One is a manga. Soul Liquid Chambers, number one. Oh God, it's great! Batshit insane. I was just going to say this. 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 Yes, this literally looks like it's yeah. right up Vince's alley. Well, I spoke on uh, it before. Well, okay. one one little caveat. I don't uh, know if the series is continuing because they solicited up to volume like three, and okay. that that came out a couple months ago, and so far we haven't seen anything. So I don't know. There may be some kind of a of a, a rights issue with this thing. I don't know, oh. but it, what has been published is awesome. It looks great. It yeah. looks absolutely great. And there's some, there's some, uh, there's some very, very risque shots and, and there's some boobage. So it's, it, it, it definitely skews toward the, uh, older. Um, she's so young. Something. She really is, bro. She's, she's, she really, she's, really is. It's, no, she's, dude, she's young. <laughs> I, She's built like a 13-year-old boy. It's so dirty. Um, there's also Gonzalo by Jed McGowan. And this, I I haven't really, I'm, I'm flipping through it now. I haven't really, um, I didn't flip through this yet, but I did flip through Monica, Volume 1, Masked Ball, because it is illustrated by Guillaume March, who I absolutely adore. Um, this was translated and it is written by, uh, Tilde Baroni, Barboni, sorry, uh, 
if if you're familiar with um, with Guillaume, who, who worked on Gotham City Sirens and the New Fifty Two Catwoman book, um, it's it's just like that. Uh, looks great. Women are fetching. Uh, I, I like the coloring on it too. Apparently, it is a two volume thriller, so I will have to look for volume two, Vanilla Dolls, and the fourth one. It's I'm. It's almost bad. I, I I kind of don't want to say the title um, because I, I don't want anybody to accuse me of um, not being woke. But it is yeah. Ricky Rouse has a gun, and it is a Chinese original. And it just I I it hurts having to say this title, but. Reading the inside flap, uh, Rick Rouse is a U.S. Army deserter who, after running away to China, gets a job at Fenjin Amusement Park, a family destination heavily inspired by Western culture featuring Rambi, the deer with a red headband, Ratman, the cave crusader with a rat's tail, Bumbo, small ears, big behind, and other original characters. The park's general manager is convinced that Rick was destined to greet Fenjin customers dressed as none other than Ricky Rouse. This original graphic novel is a relentless action comedy, a satire of U.S.-China relations, a parody of Western entertainment, and a curious look at China, a country that, once we look past its often outrageous infringements, is a culture ripe with innovation and a unique, courageous spirit. And, and kind of flipping through it, it um, having not read uh, Weapon Brown and only flipping through... Ricky Rouse has a gun. I think if you liked one, you'll probably be interested in the other. But um, who's responsible for this? This is. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you for asking. It is. Uh, I'm the umlaut is over the O, but I'm going to guess it's George Tittle and John Ags A G G S. But it's it's J O R G T I T T E L. And John A G G S. It's little like a tittle. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> nicely done. Thank you. But yeah, this 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 looks crazy, and I and I cannot wait to dig into um to all of them. But uh, yeah, this is this is going to keep me occupied for some time. Thank you so very much, Drew. Yes, uh, I too have a thank you from Drew, and. I was blown away, absolutely blown away. Um, I got also I got I got four things as well. Um, first, I got a piece of art, which is pretty dope. Nice. It is um, a print by. Hold well, on, let me get the artist's name right. Uh, Melody, uh, I believe it's Melody Often. It's in cursive, so it could be could be Austin. O-S-T-E-N or O-F-T-E-N. So I'll have to look that up. But it's from 2019, and it's a painting called Whale Dream. It yeah. is a... Uh, it looks like the original... It was originally done in um, chalk and pencil. Uh, and it is a whale that closely resembles... It looks mostly like a right whale, I'd say. But it's it's a baleen whale um, sitting in the middle of a winter forest. And it's beautiful. And I love that he thought of me in that regard. Uh, and then I got three book, um, <clears throat> one of which I'm absolutely going to speak on, and then the other is probably going to be my travels. But um, the one I haven't gotten a chance to look at yet is the largest, and it looks great. It's called Broken Frontier Anthology. It's great. Uh, by What's that? It's great. 
You've read it? Mm-hmm. Jesus, you just read everything. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a five wave blue world. I'm pretty sure it was a Kickstarter. Um, maybe, maybe not, but I seem to recall it being Kickstarter. And it does 27 amazing stories from 50 creators, all about time travel, dystopian deserts, edges of the universe, human mortality, and much, much more. Then uh, I got a mini comic called Tamons, T-A-E-M-O-N-S, by Kim Salt, which was part of last year's short box anthology collection. And then last but most certainly not least is from Eurotica uh, in 2010, a graphic novel called Pinup Artist by No, uh, the French artist, N-O-E. Oh, nice. And, uh, I'm going to speak on that in a minute because it is, it is raw. <laughs> it is nice. So I got to say, Drew went out of his way to select works that touch the very – Opposite ends of the spectrum of things I love to uh, to read in comics. So I, I kudos to him for that. Nice. Uh, full disclosure: there was a package on the table, but like I said, I just got. So I don't know who it's from. It it may be from Drew. I don't know, but there's a a priority package on the table. Oh man, you got something for Thursday? Yeah, yeah. And and also just a quick um, uh, a quick thank you, but also a condolences to our. Uh, longtime buddy uh, Ron Richards. Yes, his uh, his mother passed away this past week. Oh, I didn't know. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, so condolences to that. And he also, in spite of all that, he has very kindly just uh, said he's sending us something that he thinks we're going to really enjoy. So I, I'm thanking him in advance for that because I yeah. I wanted to uh, send condolences his way. So. Uh, I'm sorry, Ron. Yeah, I like Ron a lot. Raise a glass to uh, yeah to Mrs. Richards. But all the happier things. Yes. As I said, it was a weird week because um, so far it started with the uh, jettisoning of the uh, Dan DiDio. Yes. And uh, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I know there was rumblings for a lot of years and there was uh, backers and detractors and those that praised the deal for his effort. So he had fans, uh, no, he had people on both sides mm. of, of the uh, spectrum. So, I, I mean, we always knew it was going to come, but it always seems like he dodged the bullet every time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, um, well, I was thinking about how I wanted to approach this. First of all, we have, in the many, many years we've been doing the show, I'm sure we have been guilty many times of a lot of off-the-cuff speculation. Sure. And... Yeah. You I, and, least and that's, of all. That's, that's not a good thing. Like, yeah. I think sometimes we get caught up in it, and I think we've gotten better in recent years to not bother, because even though we're quote-unquote plugged in, and we do, from time to time, become privy to real unsad scoop. Mm-hmm. Just because we know lots of people and are friends with lots of people. And generally, we don't speak about that stuff on the air because it is inside scoop and they have asked yeah. us not to. It's nobody's business. So, yeah, but but my point being, sometimes we actually do know what's going on behind the scenes and we're not surprised by things. This is neither that. We didn't know it was coming, nor do we have any real inside scoop. But I bring it up just because I guess I'm very, very, um, I'm ever more aware of just 
the absurdity of the internet when it comes to people thinking they know things. <laughs> and sure. and again, I'm not suggesting that any single thing any person I've seen say about this is untrue because I don't know what's true and what isn't. But I can be absolutely certain that the vast majority of things that have been said are completely unfounded and untrue because you don't know, right? No, no one but but no one but Dan DiDio and his bosses were in that meeting, and I assume someone from HR, right? All we know for a fact is what's been reported in reputable outlets officially, like Hollywood Reporter, which is that he was let go this week, he was fired for cause, but was given a generous severance. That's all we know. We right. don't know. And I also then, as of right now, as the, as of our recording on Monday night, Jim Lee is the sole man in charge right now. But we don't know who had a hand in the deal. If it was, we've heard, you know, any of the speculation about Snyder or Lee or John's, it's all, it's all bullshit. It's all speculation. Um, and I, I say that because I actually do know a few people who do would be in the position to know, and they don't know. <laughs> so, so if they don't know, none of y'all know. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's a shame because while I know the guy was divisive, just like, you know, at the end of the day, because we all care a lot about these shared universes and have strong opinions about them. Um, I, I, you know, of the people that we know who knew him personally and worked with him, it's been way more positive takes than the negative yeah. takes. How about just Walt Simonson? I'm saying as a human being, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in on his decisions as a creative force behind the line because listen, I, I've we have ride, ridden the roller coaster for both DC and Marvel. Um, I, I can't say I love everything either company does. And, um, you know, and obviously the, the people in charge have a big hand in that. Uh, he certainly has a, a big pull in how the direction they go in and, and the new 52 is his thing and all that. So listen, if you didn't like the choices he made as a, as the creative head, you have every right not to. That's that's part of being a consumer of entertainment. But I, I think it's in pretty shitty taste to like celebrate the guy's dismissal and and this idea like, oh, well, he's rich, so it doesn't matter. That's bullshit. He still lost his job unexpectedly. He's still got a family. He's still got a lot of people that work for him that are now unsure about their positions in life. And like, I don't know, man. Life's too short just to like relish the negative. I mean, damn, you know, I, I don't know. I just it's just the more older I get, the less I want to. I just don't. I don't see the point in in Schadenfreude. I just don't get it. So, I, I you know I, I hope I hope all is well with him. I hope he bounce, he lands on his feet. And uh, and I think certainly when we look back on the ten plus years he was in control, there was a lot of good, a lot of great stories were created. Yeah. Um. Honestly, we can, as you said, we can only speak on how this directly affects us as we perceive it. Right. I didn't have a bone with Dio. In fact, some of my f favorite New 52 stuff was spearheaded by DiDio, like Omac. I, th I thought it was a wonderful book. It didn't last long, but the writing was on the wall right out of the gate, you know? It was it was Bronze Age fun, and that doesn't really sell these days. Yep. So so kudos to him for, for championing this old-style comic. But on, on the flip side... I know he was a, a a very large proponent, probably the instigator of the 5G, the upcoming 5G. Um, let's call it a storyline because we don't really know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think was a major blunder, a huge bad idea. 
to uh, sideline the heroes we know and love in favor of new, younger, up-and-comers. Like, that's just a, I don't know, it's a terrible idea in my book. And there were other people at DC that thought it was a terrible idea. And so you can't win them all, right? And and I and I think the reason why they did what they did now is because had this storyline seen the light of day, it would have been very difficult to turn back the clock on it. You know, so it it didn't mesh with the films, it didn't mesh with curtain con- uh, current continuity, and um, I think that's a problem when you have a multi pronged media empire. That's not just comics. That's movies and cartoons and action figures. And so it's, it, I, I just don't see, I, I don't see how it would be feasible to just say, all right, Bruce, Clark, and, you know, Diana, you're just going to sit this one out for X years and then we'll bring it back and everybody will cheer. Like, no, that's just weird. I don't know. I'm not, as, as you know, I'm not a business person, but conceptually, I don't really think that was a great idea. Mm hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and I would even posit that what you're saying about 5G is speculation. We don't know. We don't even know really what it was going to be. And we don't really know if if what it what we think it was going to be isn't going to be what it still is. Going, right. Like we don't. Right. I've seen no no commentary from from Jim Lee or any of his bosses that say. 5G is scrapped or we're going to go in a different direction or we're rethinking our direction. I, I, I've seen no comments about that, which is not to say, I mean, it is a, it is a relatively logical leap to, to make that since he was championing fifth generation that, that things changes are afoot, but, but we don't know that for sure. We haven't seen any evidence of that. Right. All we can go by is the data and there's not much of it. Right. But we can imagine I, and wonder yeah. We're we're not I'm not saying anything we're saying is other than we we we're going to miss the guy in in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh other than that there's really not a, a whole lot on which to to build a, a a hypothesis. So It is what it is. But to I I'm glad you said what you said because the uh the glee with which some online detractors are approaching this or 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 um you know they're talking about it as if it's they're 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 happy to see this guy lose yeah. his job like it's that's it's their revenge it uh, i mean people it's comic books now how, how sad do you have to be in your life in order to to take pleasure in right someone losing their job but yeah it's weird it's strange and I, it's sad that that that's there's an undercurrent of that but i mean it is the internet right and yeah i don't know yeah, and I will say I need to give credit where credit is due. A lot of times people say there's no such thing as journalism in comics. And um, Heidi McDonald, who is the creator and longtime editor at The Beat that we know, The Comics Beat, she posted a piece today, which I was just seeing here, where she yeah. goes deep into what she yeah. found. So she did some digging. So she actually does have more details. And um, I think it's pertinent. Um, it's the only one I read. You read it? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, well, then, first of all, I apologize to you then, because, I, I mean, clearly you were, a lot of what you were saying about the 5G is, is spelled out here. So, I guess it is, it is, it, some of these things happen on Earth. But I appreciate what she says that, uh, 
She says, no matter how many times Tadia was promoted, he continued to micromanage the DCU. I don't think you're going to be too shocked to learn behind the scenes, planning the 5G reboot, retcon, ultimate hypertime was incredibly stressful. Tadio started his own teaser role out last year with sneak peeks at wall charts, hints on panels and leaks, familiar methods Tadio had used to tease previous crises. For the editorial staff, however, this was a series of constantly changing ideas, reassignments, and what turned into a hostile work environment. Although retailers may have fingered Scott Snyder as part of the coup, I'm told this was formal internal complaints that had reached a boiling point. In recent months, morale had plummeted even more amid frequent shakeups at responsibilities were the increasingly frequent departures. Editor Pat McCallum, uh, who had been made head of all of DCU, quit suddenly. And most recently, Alex Antone quit, taking a job at Skybound. It appears that the 5G chaos was finally enough to seal the deal's fate. So, um, yeah, so you're, you're, you're right. And it was definitely uh, it was surprising in that they, they announced it during Comics Pro, which for those that don't know, Comics Pro is an annual meeting um, for all of the retailers. And all of the publishers, it's kind of like uh, upfronts for comics. All of the the publishers, all the way from Marvel and DC down to the smallest upstarts, go and sit and have panels and present their wares to the uh, to the direct market uh, for for the year. And the news broke during Comics Pro, and it prompted all of DC's brass to, to leave the, to leave the meeting. So clearly none of them were in were, were were aware that it was going to go down at least when it went down. So right. Yeah. By the I way, know. I I Dio posted some pictures today. I guess it was also an article of of of, of like him on vacation with with his wife. My mm-hmm. man is living his best life. Oh yeah. yeah. His yeah. wife yeah. is gorgeous. Holy crap. <laughs> Good for him. It's crazy. Oh, she is. She's freaking beautiful. I mean, he posted a picture of him and her together. It's good for him. Yep, on a yacht, right? Yeah, he's got a yacht. I have a yacht. Oh, he's he's oh, on. A he yacht. was on. He was on. Yeah, he was on a trip. They were on a trip together. That the gear. They're 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 hitting the, I mean, the coast or the Gulf. Well, I'm just uh, going to picture Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd when I think of of uh, the deal now. Lobster or crack crab? Why not both? <laughs> 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 Um, was, salute him. There was, there was no, yeah, there, there was no denying he he loved comics. Um, he may not have loved all the characters in those comics. There's some some were were targets, and he wasn't. Uh, he he, I don't want to use the word agenda, but he had he, he had a plan for some things, and and in his role, he had the ability to make sure some of those things happened. But he may have told stories that I didn't always love, but that I can say that. About a handful, a, a lot of creators, and you know that doesn't mean they should lose their jobs over just because I read a story I didn't care for. But um, yeah, it's it was it was I, I didn't I I don't think these days I don't think anybody is is um, is made of Teflon. But it, it this this surprised me because you know when you would think of how every time. I mean, the, the the article on the beat talks about uh, all the different crises that have happened under under Dan's watch, but uh, you you see constant rebirths and reboots and 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 going back to the well and and you know Scott Snyder not meeting a, a an idea that he never wanted to let go of. There there are just certain things that you think they they 
they're working. They're trying to tell stories that they're going to sell. That that that, and, and if something isn't working, they're going to try to or try something else. And and so they, you know, DC kept trying. We we saw convergence. We saw which is Heidi mentions it that that was also happening during the change from from the East Coast to the West. Um, but yeah, I I would I was surprised because if 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 he wasn't fired before just based on my assumptions uh i i I didn't know what it would take for him to ever be demoted i i never thought firing i just thought you know we're going to just move some deck chairs around but uh yeah it's it was it 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 was it was surprising for, for me to say the least yeah not to twist a knife, but there's a void. There's a vacuum now at DC. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be filled. Yeah. Who? This is just uh, fantasy football, uh, a la comics. Who would you put in that position if you had the power to, to, to actually do that? Oh. I got an idea. <laughs> cool. Paul Levitz. Levitz was I the. Be, I would be fine with that. You yeah, know, Levitz was the guy that said, "Hands off on Watchmen. Nobody touches." But I this. don't know if that's. I don't know if that's moving forward the way they may want to move. Right. Levitz was also the the biggest cheerleader, or one of the biggest cheerleaders for the Legion. Yeah, and that's back now, though. But Levitz has always been a class act. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and Archie Goodwin's dead. So. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't. I, and and you know when you think of like the the ones off the top of your head that that you would just think of it it it, it can't be Shooter. No. It, um, it, <laughs> you know, obviously, <laughs> no. uh, Bill James has his hands full now with, with AWA, so it's, it, and it shouldn't be him anyway. Um, yeah, there. I just, I don't. I mean, we 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 can look at people who we know based on their resume, but I I don't know if I don't know if this is something that you know if, if Warner Brothers has someone in mind that they think. Oh yeah, um, right. I just said like this is the whole big fantasy thing that if you yeah. had your druthers, who would you put in that position? You know, I just don't feel equipped to answer. I, I don't, in the sense that I, I don't even know. I don't even know who else is senior think, at DC editorial, and I, I also don't. I, I don't. I just don't know what role they really have. Like, it's a weird time. I mean, Johns was removed from power. Yeah. Now DiDio's gone. Um, I, I mean, I, like I said, I Jim Lee is the the titular head, but. He's got lots of shit going he's on. Got, all the time, right, so. He's got right. He's going to be spread thin, and, and I, I mean, someone who I think, would, who I'm pretty, I think it's safe to say wouldn't want it because he's just he's having fun doing his thing. But I could, I wouldn't, just because I think it would be poetic. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Jimmy Palmiotti as a publisher. That would be great. All right, that I would love. So I'm with you. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't know. I think no. I think it should be a, a 
someone who, with some vintage that's been in the business. And yes, Palmiati has been in the business for a while. Right. But there's a handful of guys that have uh, weathered a lot of rough seas in comics. And they know how the business works. Levitz is one of them. Um, I, I would love to see an untrained publisher. Like put the, put somebody in that position that has been through comics thick and thin. I don't know his business acumen, but somebody like Walt Simonson would be great. Uh, an artist that knows what goes on on the artistic side of it, and he also knows a lot about what goes on the 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 uh, the business side of it. I, I could see I could see someone like a Walt if it was a a smaller publisher, like if if Dark Horse was, was going to bring back Legends, or if they were going to try to do the uh, brother. I, I you also got to get somebody that loves the characters too. Yes. Right. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I understand why you're picking these names because they're nostalgic for you. But, like, I, I, it feels really, really recidivist to go back to having these old heads in charge of a. I mean, the industry's dying because they need to figure out ways to reach new people. Well, yeah. Well, I'm old, right? I don't want to see a young. Yeah, I, I don't want to see know, Scott like, Snyder in that role. Hell no. Oh no, 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 no. no. Well, no, no, I'm, but, no. I'm not even saying. Well, I, yeah, I agree with that too. But that's you get of, metal, and well, you get metal. But that's because Scott Snyder's got. Yeah, well, we right. there are reasons for you to have that opinion, but but what I'm saying is I, I don't I mean that's what I'm saying I don't have an opinion because I think that the answer is someone young and energetic that's got ideas that I, I would imagine there are dozens of people within DC editorial that are probably awesome that we just don't know their names because they haven't had a chance to shine yet. Yeah. So and if they wanted to search outside their their uh, fenced in yard. Eric Larson would not be a bad choice. I don't, he probably wouldn't even <laughs> want to do it. But I'm just no. saying, Larson, he, there's a guy that knows both sides in and out. Well, so does Jim Valentino. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, right now, DC is run by Pam Lifford. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, like, super senior. Like, she's she's the head of all Warner Brothers global brand and experience. Oh, so Jesus. Experience. It's a big word. She's the boss boss. Um, she replaced Diane Nelson. Remember, she she was the boss for a while. Right. John stepped down, so he's gone from his executive role. Um, they never replaced his his role. So, yeah. So it's I mean there, there's a vacuum at senior management, and also we can't forget that AT and T owns them now. So right. it's like DC was a tiny piece of a big company. Now they're a tiny piece of a big company that's a tiny piece of an even bigger company. Right. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like Time Warner is a small piece of AT&T and DC is a tiny, tiny piece of Time Warner. So, uh, you know, it's just a, qu- I have no idea. Like, like does AT&T care? Do they not care? Hmm. Like, are they gonna, I don't know. Remains to be seen. I mean, like, well, before we move on this, let, let me ask a question objectively. And maybe we're not the right ones to answer this be- because of the way that you, you Vince and I are leaning of, of late in terms of our reading depth less so, but um, what do you think of C.B. Cebulski? I mean, and I'm saying again, based on what we know as fans, do you see much tangible difference between Marvel with C.B. Cebulski as editor-in-chief versus when Marvel had Axel Alonso? Well, I can't really make 
an educated opinion on that because I'm not privy to everything that goes on at Marvel these days or have been for years. So this is not a question for me to answer. I, I, I see the... No, I'm the, just saying as a fan. Like, do you, Well, I mean, yeah, I only see the tall blades of grass. I'm not looking mm-hmm. at the whole lawn. I see the Immortal Hulks and I see the... The you know the 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 Jason Aaron Thor's I don't see the rest of it because I'm not look I'm, I don't look in that direction ever, so I I really can't make a I can't comment on that. I'd like to be able to, but I don't have the I don't have the data. I can't say. Yeah. How long has CB been editor in chief? Just a couple of years now. Probably a little less than two years would be my guess. Um, I, I'm liking for, for, November for 2017. So okay, a little so more than two years. years. Yeah, um, yeah. For, I mean, for the most part, I'm 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 enjoying what I'm reading. There are a lot of things that that are still um, Amy Aaron Thor was 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 under Axel the the um. It's it's your question exactly was phrased how 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 do you think he's doing versus how do I think CB's oh yeah I, I mean do, like do, I mean, you, do you feel like do you feel that Marvel as a as a consumer of Marvel comics do you feel uh, a meaningful change good bad or not or either way from from CB's do you feel like CB has put a stamp on Marvel in a way that's noticeable versus how it was with Axel. Well, I was buying Spider-Man when Axel was in there. Ah, I'm not buying was, Spider-Man. That was, but, but, but Axel was still, yeah. Spencer hasn't been on. Spencer's been on for, it's not because of CB that, 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 that Spencer is writing right. Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we want to look and say, you know, oh, I'm not reading this now. And, and that just happens to happen when CB's EIC. Uh, yeah, I think, I think things might feel a little different, especially with, um, you know, some some titles only running ten or twelve issues before the next number one comes out. But we also have a new creative team on those books. Um, but I'm enjoying what I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the Doctor Strange books. I'm enjoying uh, the Ghost Spider. I'm enjoying Miles. You know, so I I think I think I'm really more credit for Hawksbox and getting Hickman to do X Men because right. sure. Hickman think, had written off Marvel. Yeah, I think I'm reading more. Um, more titles or, or, or more Marvel. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say religiously. I'm, 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 I'm sticking with more Marvel now than I think I was when, when Axel was in charge. There were a lot of, aside from Thor, there really wasn't a whole lot where I would, I, I kept going back to. Yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was reading Spidey when Slot was doing it, and and you know, there were things that I was enjoying. But um, if I miss something or skip something i didn't feel like oh crap i I, there's this huge void now it 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 really just felt like i i'll i'm either missing it or i'll i'll get to it when i can get to it right now with everything i'm reading from marvel i i I want to keep reading i i want that next issue of dr strange i want that next issue of 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 marauders I, i i and so so there are things that i just think i'm i'm enjoying more with CB at the helm, I definitely think Hickman is a feather in his cap for sure. Oh, de- de- definitely. When I was thinking about before, when I asked the question, I, I wasn't sure. I really thought that he had made a mark yet, but then I'm as 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 you all were talking, I thought, oh, wait a minute. I mean, 
Yeah, it's early, but he deserves massive credit for right for getting Hickman to run yeah. the X Men world. Yeah, I yeah. can't front on that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, as opposed to Dap, I'm reading far less Marvel than I ever have. Uh, you just took the words out of my mouth, right? As you know, that's why I said you and I might be in the wrong spot to answer this question because I, although I still read more Marvel, I'm sure than the average person, just but I, I'm reading way less Marvel than I ever have. Uh, I mean, as a as a percentage of what they put out, so. And I think I'm better for it because I think the things I'm reading, I'm really enjoying. So, right. Yeah. 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 Well, in short, big tip of the hat to Dan. Um, oh, uh, he's going to land on his feet, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, maybe he'll stay in comics. Maybe he won't. But we'll. Uh, we'll. It just uh, time will tell. And uh, mm-hmm. thanks. Thanks for all the service, soldier. We appreciate it. That's right. Yep. Let's talk about some comics here. About time. Yeah. 50 minutes into a short episode. <laughs> well, um, I got a Marvel book, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. The uh, the dudes on the Slack were uh, teasing me because they were uh, posting images from recent issues of Immortal Hulk and saying, oh, Vince Scott's to read this arc. This arc is right up his alley. And... So I, I got caught up on Immortal Hulk. And they're right. The the most recent arc is is very much up my alley. Um I'll just summarize briefly. Uh, Al Ewing, who's writing the book wonderfully, is making use of uh Dario Agar from Roxon, who we saw in Jason Aaron's Thor. And yes, he the Minotaur. Yes, he pillages Monster Island and gets a quartet of big bads to try and squash the hulk which is a really really dumb idea i mean if you've been reading the book for any period of time you know that the bigger the threat the bigger the hulk so i i really didn't see this plan as as uh, a worthwhile one but it's fun which is it it's not in the spirit of what has come before but it's playful, it's enjoyable. So this, to me, this newest arc is Al Ewing saying, I'm going to take a little, tiny little break from the disturbing goings-on of the previous 20-some odd issues, and we're just going to have a little bit of fun now. And it's as as that, it works for me, because, now, are you sitting down? The the monsters have, have code names. One of them's called O'Brien. One of them's called Harry Hausen. There's a Lovecraft monster, and there's a Bradbury monster. I don't have to explain any of those names, do I? Right? Maybe kids today won't know who Willis O'Brien was. And he's the father of stop motion animation with King Kong, right? And Harry Hausen, you don't have to explain that guy. I, at least I hope not. And the other two, the other two fall into place. But it, it, it's just neat. He, he wants to pull the Hulk out of hiding. So he sends these monsters at the Arizona Herald to take out Jackie, who's the, who the Hulk, the, the evil Hulk has been very close with. She's a reporter. She's been in the book since the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So he's trying to draw out Devil Hulk by threatening Jackie. And, and it, it's fun. Um, Zemnu appears, and if you you've been 
uh, a Hulk fan for any period of time, you know that Zemnu was the first Hulk ever, way back in 1960, in the the Marvel monster anthology. Zemnu was called the Hulk. But so now we know him as Zemnu. It's a fun story, but it's nowhere near. It doesn't hit the heights that the previous storylines did. Like Immortal Hulk's a very disturbing book, extremely so. Um, and I think, like, when did you ever cheer for a bushwhacker appearance? Bushwhacker's been like a schlub for for decades, right? And in, even in this book, he's still a peon in General Fort- Fortian's game, but he's despicable. And he's cool. I mean, the dude can make weapons appear on his, on his hands just from nowhere. It's, it's fun, right? But it, it's got a very, very dark edge to it. And did, did you guys get to the part with um, Betty's latest transformation? I don't think so. Yes. Okay. Dap, do you care very much? Because it's Go big. Ahead. Do it. it, do it, it do. It's big. Fordian sends Bushwhacker to take... Well, he has... There's a long, long plot line with Bushwhacker trying to take up Bruce. Um, and they they figure out that Sunlight can make the Hulk go bye-bye for a little while and they can, you know, put a bullet in Bruce. Because no, no darkness, no reset button. And Bushwhacker is outside Betty's house. Bush, uh, Bruce comes back and manages to prey on Betty's sympathies again. And they're in Betty's home and Bushwhacker's got a bead on Bruce. He's got the target like right on him. And um, Fordian's like, do not kill Betty. Like Bush or um, Fordian still has a huge debt to pay for Thunderbolt. Like Thunderbolt was his mentor. He looked up to him. He doesn't want to really kill his daughter and maybe send her to hell where he he assumes that thunderbolt is because thunderbolt recently died too and uh bushwhacker maybe he slips maybe he does it on purpose but he puts a bullet through betty's head which causes bruce to fucking freak out but betty doesn't reset as the red she-hulk she resets as a red harpy and she is mean, uh, extremely so. But she has these weird personality things where she won't let Banner see her as Betty after the transformation. And Banner's freaked out at her appearance. Like he doesn't, he won't even look at her. And she won't allow him to look at her as Betty. Um, during a fight, the Hulk is being damaged by the abomination jason you read that issue right yes and the abomination spits and it's rick jones and the abomination the abomination spits like like a xenomorph spits this acid and bruce and banner's down he's he's out of it he's dying betty reaches in pulls out his heart and eats it just to make him reset make him die so he can come back revived but metaphorically that's an awesome scene right betty's eating bruce's heart 
<laughs> it's it's awesome. And that's the thing with this book. The good guys, the ones that make the quote hard choices, are far far farther down the road to hell than the bad guys. Fortean is a dick. Uh, oh, aptly, definitely. Yeah, aptly named too. Fortean, come on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's totally without merit. Without uh, he keeps, he's the guy to me that represents mankind's egocentric presumption that we as a species have some kind of dominance over the universe like we we can steer chaos the way we want and it's bullshit and that plays out in the book uh Fortean so full of himself and so assured that he's got he knows right he's like an evangelist he knows the way it's going to turn out and he doesn't and his comeuppance is great but i think what ewing is doing with this book up to but not including the the latest arc is i said it before it is on par with what alan moore did with swamp thing he's injecting things into this book that really have no business being in a Hulk comic. Like like the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life. Yeah. The, you know, the, the Sephira, where he gets into Geberah and the Shadow. I don't even, I'm not uh, learned in the Kabbalah, so I'm probably pronouncing these wrongs. Uh, but the Klyphot and, and Golshab, it's nuts how much esoteric information Ewing is injecting into this book. Where that's what Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing. He put a lot of stuff in there that fleshed out that little corner of the DC universe and made it even more compelling. But the average reader is going to look at a picture of Aleister Crowley in the back and not know what it is. You know? Like, I, and I love that. I love that there's information in here that's going to fly over the head of uh, the heads of most of your. Your your average Marvel reader, right? They don't. This is not your typical Hulk book, and it's. I'm struggling right now to not love this more than Planet Hulk. Sure, it's just, it's 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 saying a lot to Mister Ewing that to me he's eclipsed Peter David's run already. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Peter David is a very good writer of the mundane. He's very good with relationships between characters. He's very, he's like Wade. He's very good with pulling old continuity to the forefront and making it work for him. So David is the very workmanlike, right? Where you had Greg Pak that did a James Cameron take on the Hulk. It was an awesome storyline, huge, big bada boom, action movie proportions. But he still kept those things that longtime Hulk readers look for. And he played to our sympathies by having Bruce have a, a woman he actually cared for and then she dies and she was with a child. Like it's, it was an awesome action epic. That's not what Al Ewing's doing here. He's doing Alan Moore. And for my money, I'd rather read Alan Moore than Peter David. But I'm still torn because Planet Hulk was awesome. This is more brain food than mm. than Planet Hulk, but 
the jury's still out. If Ewing stays on Immortal Hulk for an extended period of time, I'm going to be hard-pressed not to love it more than Planet Hulk. Yeah. If it stays this well-written. And the uh, thing with, the thing with yeah. Bruce's daddy, like, that's insane. Uh, just look at all the things that Ewing has in, injected into this. Uh, Doc Samson, you got Gamma Flight, Puck, Walter Langowski's in this thing, the Absorbing Man, Titania, Bushwhacker, Joe Fixit comes back, in a sense, right? Rick Jones takes on a number of forms in this book. So he's taking the stuff that we all know and love from Hulk mythology, but he's making it intellectually stimulating with doing the uh, inject, like wrapping it in a, sh- uh, a shell of esoteric information and and the Kabbalah and Gnosticism. Like, what? In a Hulk book? You're kidding me. It's It hasn't been done to this extent. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to. You're, you're on a roll. It, it's a triumph. I mean, it really is unexpected too, be, and, and even more so. I mean, I like Al Ewing, but to be honest, nothing he's written so far was this good mm-hmm. in, in my mind. Like, I, I, I think there, there's a scene where there's um, this this um, General Forty and sends these giant airships. To take out the Hulk and and the, and all collateral um, damage uh, that would ensue, and it's 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 got a pilot. It's called War Wagon One, and when you look at the pilot, it's it's John Belushi from 1941. <laughs> like who puts that in a Hulk comic? In, nobody's going to know, but but there it is. That's the thing. There's there's copies of Eerie and Creepy. On on coffee tables, what? Um, I'm just I'm I'm dumbfounded that this there's so much in this book extraneous to the Hulk mythology that just makes it even better. It's stupid good. I I don't know what else to say. It's it's if you're not reading it, you should be. It's just wonderful. When you're on a roll, you're on a roll. I can't disagree with anything you've said. Right, right. Um, I, I, the 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 Kyle Holtz or Hots issue was great, but uh, again, uh, from left field, I've never been a oh awesome Joe Bennett's on this book. Like Joe Joe Bennett was always that guy. Like okay, this is good. Yeah, just a, like a serviceable right, like middle of the yeah. road superhero artist. Yeah, yeah. But there are some double page spreads where I'm just like, damn what's my boy eating? Because they're just amazing. You know? Um, Matthias Bergard did an issue or two. Ryan mm-hmm. Bodenheim. Um, it's just awesome. I, I don't know how else to, to, to phrase it without being redundant. It, it, it's just, you you really need to experience this for yourself because nothing that's going to come out of my mouth is going to maybe uh, approximate just how all-encompassing this series is it's it's a very it's a very worthwhile experience what i'd really love to know is it seems like one of the kernels that permeates all of the seminal runs of superhero titles is an ability to tell a story that is more 
layered and left center than the typical stories we see of that character. Yep. Whether it be Swamp Thing or it be the Vision or it be right. I mean, so so born again. One of the things I I'd love to know is like, do the writers know that they're about to start something special? Do the editors know? You know, like do, because when I like, it seems like this this Immortal Hulk feels like one of those things where they're like, all right. Hulk isn't hot right now, so that's always been the case, though with Hulk. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but that's what I'm saying. So, but it's like I, I wonder. I mean, we know from a, a lot of times at, at Marvel and DC, it's okay. You're under contract, or you have a spot, and we want you on this book. For like our, for like our buddy Mahmoud, right? Like, generally speaking, Mahmoud doesn't have a lot of say in the books he does. Now, with occasionally, like with Conan, he's approached and it's something he really wants to, but, but like he's bounced, he, Mahmoud has done a lot of different Marvel books, right? He's, he's even, even Bacello or Umberto Ramos, they're, they're under contract and Marvel says, Hey, we want you to, to do strange Academy. Okay. Great. You know? Um, so I wonder with a thing like this, I mean, is this Al Ewing saying, listen, I have waited my entire career to tell a Hulk story, but it's out there and this is what I want to do. And then, the editors say, you know what, it's ballsy, but let's go for it. Or, or is it just, hey, Al, um, you know, you're doing good work. How do you feel about stepping up to the big leagues and taking on the Hulk? And then he I, says, okay, I, I, it just it's hard. To, I mean, and it's of course now that because we've got 30 plus issues of this amazing run, we're going to think, oh, well, this was something he had been wanting to do forever. But I don't, I don't know that that's true. I, I don't know that he didn't just I get approached to do the Hulk, and he said, oh, I got a good story. I, I, I don't think. I'm not under the impression that they said, hey, do you want to do the Hulk? They may have said, hey, we give us a bunch of characters that you'd like to work on. Because mm-hmm. this version of the Hulk was brought back during um, No Surrender. So it was because he had died in, in Civil War Two. So when he was brought back, Ewing had a hand in that Avengers book. So mm-hmm. that, that was just a way for him to bring Hulk back so that he could tell this story. What I, they may not have known that this would have gone on as long as it has. Cause, cause I mean, that was, that was something that David had the benefit of with being in sales is that he knew if Hulk was starting to waver, he could change things up, which is why, you know, the, the his run is so well regarded because, he did so much with the character with Mr. Fix it. And then we, we eventually get to the Pantheon and, but because he knew if, if sales were starting to kind of wane a bit, he needed to spice it up. And, but, but now, I mean, we, they don't really have even back with Claremont and stuff. They don't have that, that ability maybe to pivot on the fly, but a lot of stories now were just, I have a story I'm going to tell like, like Wheaton's astonishing X-Men or these are stories I want to tell. This is how many issues it's going to be. And when I'm done with the character, then someone else can tell their story. And I think the way it's going, Ewing's on the book as, as long as, or at least he's telling this story until I have a feeling until it's completed. I, I don't think sales is going to dictate when this ends. I think this. I, I think what Ewing is doing on Immortal Hulk is going to end when when he's done telling when when he reaches the end of his story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think so. But if if you look back on the the seminal runs, I'm not talking top tier books like Amazing Spider-Man or Fantastic Four or Avengers. Even 
if you look at the seminal runs on all Marvel books across the board, the best ones were born out of desperation. The Frank Miller's yeah, X Men, yeah, uh, the X Men yeah. is the poster child for that. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Mark Wade with Captain America. Eh, it's not selling. Let's. I mean, eh, yeah, yeah. Grunwald stuff was good and fun, but it was never a big seller, right? Right. Um, then Wade comes in and does Man Without a Country. Why? Daredevil wasn't a big seller. With no, Miller, yeah. uh-uh. and that was. I mean, and Daredevil was bi monthly for the longest yeah. time, and and then it, it it got the kick in the pants and. Uh, yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, they they, and you could even say that about DC too. Swamp Thing wasn't sold for shit when Definitely. they gave it to Alan Moore. Animal Man was a no nothing character. No, I mean, no. So and that carries forth into now, right? Which is, I mean, the reason that the Tom and Mitch conceit is that they they're the guys to get to do these. They find these characters that are far enough off the periphery. That they're allowed to do whatever they want, right? And Tom right. did that with Walta on the Vision, and and he even joked, right, where he he got to do it, and because and then suddenly halfway through, um, what's his name, uh, uh, Tom, uh, what's his name, the Marvel uh, editor, uh, Brevort, Brevort was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like because he, you know, he was basically unchained for there, and then and then by then it was already such a critical success they had to let him keep going, and then. He goes to DC and he does Mr. Miracle, which which obviously stands on its own. And then he gets to reload into Strange Adventures because it's the same thing. I mean, these are characters that are not like, you know, you where it's interesting, too, right? Because it's funny as we talk about this. So Tom was basically able to do whatever he wanted with Mr. Miracle. He's presumably about to be able to do anything he wants with Mr. Terrific and Adam Strange. But over in Batman people got issues, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like in Batman, he didn't have free reign, right? Like, like as much as he wanted, he had largely free reign, but, but at some point the rubber met the road and editorial said, mm, okay, we're going to have you do your own thing on the side here. Right. So like there are sacred cows and it's really hard to, 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 to do anything really special with the sacred cows. Right. So you got it. You got to knock your, you got to knock it out of the park when you get one of these B or C listers. And I know it sounds it's crazy to some people to call the Hulk a B-lister, but commercially speaking, I mean, I, yeah, the Hulk is not a is, is never been a incredible seller, right, right. And so. if you look at uh, over at DC, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, yep, uh, Wonder Woman, I think is the outlier because that book never really sold like yeah, like the other Trinity. So you got your. Um, George Perez coming in and doing whatever he wanted with it. But Superman doesn't have a seminal run. I mean, it has, there's a great run that went on forever with Jurgens and, and all those guys. The, the, it was always the book at DC that I would want to read, but you mm. can't, there's no born again in the Superman run. It's just not there, right? Mm. That, there's really not. Within Superman proper? Uh-oh. Oh, you mean within the continuity of the book? The right, book. right. Like oh, Superman okay. action, the, the those books. There's really, there's no born again. Uh, within mm-hmm. Batman and Detective. Mm, yes, he, there is. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. One. You you have, yeah, sure, year one. You have the ones that, that, that buck the system, sure. 
But there, Batman had been okay for hundreds of issues before Born Again, or um, yeah. before Bat Year One, and then you had your your isolated pockets of brilliance, like Mud Club's fun, but it's not a you know it's not a seminal run. There's a bunch of Batman that's just good. It, I think it's only recently that you had Snyder and Capullo that was a really celebrated run. An extended run, and then you had Tom King. But before that, you know, what? What's the best Batman extended run? That that's a tougher one for me to buy into because a lot of people absolutely adored Morrison's run, and it was long. Um, do you remember when? Do you remember what happened in it? Absolutely loved Snyder's run. So I mean, well, that's what I yeah, that's what I said. No, but I mean, about that, yeah. But if you combine Morrison, Snyder, and Tom, you're talking the last what twelve, fifteen years of Batman, so. right? But I'm looking before that. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from Flashpoint, yeah. Aside from year one, what's the seminal Batman run within the continuity of the Batman Detective? Right. Bruce well, Wayne, kind of Bruce Wayne, murderer. What like? Um, um, oh, well, no, see, I was, yeah, no, see, that, that's my, I was going to say Cataclysm, but that's more inside baseball. Um, yeah. And that was a crossover. That wasn't just one, one title. Um, and I think it's because these characters are sacred cows that they don't have seminal runs within the, well, they didn't. Now they well, do. Well, they also can't, but you can't, something like Batman, like even, even with Hush or Broken City. So you have, you have the 100 Bullets guys taking a break from 100 bullets so they can do a six or eight issue Batman story. So here's, here's a story with just, just the 100 Bullets creative team telling a Batman story. And, but it's still a Batman story set in continuity. So it's not like they can break his back again. It's, it, it's, it's where you're not going to be able to, tell the definitive Batman story because for a lot of people I don't know about a lot of people but for some they're going to think definitive means the end this is the this is the ultimate story and our hero lives and dies by the end of it and and so it's it's I I think some you have someone like Tom who's going to tell him Mr. Miracle 12 issue story and that that isn't necessarily you know if they decided to add Mr. Miracle to one of the Justice League books is like whether or not Tom's story would even be mentioned in 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 the um, it, it, some stories. Just they 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 have to be careful because you can't you don't want to uh, you can't break the toys. Right, the, the things have changed. The things have changed a little bit here and there uh, because you could tell you could tell these out of continuity stories. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, like if if someone wants to tell a Spider-Man story, that's fine. But if it doesn't, it's not going to interfere with whatever Spencer's doing. Right. And I, I think there's a lot of guys that have built their entire careers on great stories that featuring characters that nobody really cared about before they got on the book. Like uh, Jeff Johns. Who who besides the old-timers cared about JSA before Jeff got, Johns got Definitely. it? Definitely. And that, that was one of my gateways into being a DC fan. Right. And um, Starman, really? Yeah, good. another great one. Yeah, you know. I mean, I know for some it's it doesn't, but but that but that that run was talked about in hushed tones because it wasn't one of those things that 
never was in reprinted in a collected edition for the longest yeah. time. And people always would talk about it like it was the grail. Right. It was um, kind of an anomaly because Robinson was the only person who, who could yeah. write Jack Knight. So it, it's yep. not like, you know, he wasn't going to loan him out to, to a team up book or, uh, and he was involved when JSA started when, before Johns was the primary writer. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, and, and it's where I mean you 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 say Starman and and that's I and I know I, I we're we're dear friends with people who absolutely adore the Robinson Harris Starman and it, and it didn't click for me and that, and that's fine but I hear Starman and I don't even think of the old Ted Knight character from from All Star Squadron it's it's Will Payton from you know, the the Roger Stern stuff and that's but that's just that character that version. Kind of spoke to me in the eighties when 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 I was buying it off the rack, but yeah, no, there there's yeah you'll you and you already mentioned Animal Man earlier, which was I mean it, it yeah that's that that era of Vertigo would have been that that Tom's and Mitch's Mister Miracle would have fit right in there. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm just convinced that uh, Batman Year One is the best Batman arc within the run of Batman. Bar none, there's there's no coming close to it, and and it's it's odd and kind of ironic that the best Batman stories could not take place during within the run of Batman and Detective, Dark Knight Returns. They had to go outside of the yard to do that, and that's never going to be eclipsed. You're never going to get a Batman story better than Dark Knight Year One or um, Dark Knight Returns. It's just not going to happen because they can't, or it'll be a hundred issues. Like Schneider. <laughs> I don't was, how long? Well, how long was Schneider on the book? Because, because I mean, I remember. I mean, Tom wanted to do the longest run. His plan was to do the longest run. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he he wasn't necessarily trying to beat Snyder. He wanted to no, beat, no, uh, no. I know. Stan no, and Jack. On, okay, right, right. That's what I'm saying. So how long was so Snyder didn't do 100? I'm I forget how long he was on it. He was on it before New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because they, I mean, they of course, with, carried over the continuity. Right. Because it was... So, oh, if you were going to... I don't mean to change the subject, but um, Green Lantern Corps War, or the the uh, Sinestro Corps War, could never have right. happened and if if uh, Green Lantern was selling hotcakes. Right? Very true. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see... Uh, uh, he, he began his uh, Detective Comics starting in January 2011. Um, and then beginning in September 2011, Snyder became the writer of both Batman and the New Swamp Thing. Uh, so he was on her from 2011 until the rebirth. So um, I'd have to see when Tom started. But I don't know how many issues that is because I'm sure there was some double shipping. Um it's got to be at least a hundred. No, was, it wouldn't. It'll be again. It, what, that's not Tom's goal was to do a hundred. No, issues. not Tom Schneider was at least 100. right. I'm saying it couldn't. Schneider couldn't have been on it for at least a hundred because had Tom gotten to do his whole plan, he would have been the longest running writer in the history of the title. That's what I'm saying. So Schneider couldn't have been more than seventy or eighty. That's if weird. We still have comic I, you, book DB. We still have comic know. book DB. Then I would be able to tell you. But. Oh man, he only did fifty-two the, the, issues. The, 
There you go. Yeah. What about Thug Munch? Hmm. It says, uh, New 52, this is when Scott Snyder became the main writer on the Batman series, working with Greg Capullo on 52 issues. Uh-huh. Oh, because it was he on Detective before that? I don't know. Yes. There you go. Seems like more Crazy. than 52 to me. But then again, what do I know? But it also feels that way because he never lets the character go because he did All-Star Batman. He's, did, he, he's doing yeah. metal. He's doing the last night or whatever the hell it is. So it's... it's. Come on. If you got a chance to write Batman, you wouldn't Batman, let him go either. But no, 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 I haven't. He's written a lot of Batman. It just may not have been consecutively right. within the Batman title. Right, right. Hmm. That's interesting. How many did Morrison write? But then again, you have to take in Batman Incorporated and all that stuff. And and his, he started he started before because I remember six six um, Batman six 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 was was during his run. Uh, but he started around was like six fifty seven or something. He started after um, fifty two, the weekly book. Um, oh shoot, yeah. But he he was another one. He had he had a story to tell, and that was to. And, and he ended up getting to write Batman's replacement for a little while. Yeah. Wow. We are all over the place. Riveting. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What else do we have before we call this a day? Well, I want to pick it up because I mentioned our boy Drew sent me something that I didn't know existed <laughs> until it came today and it is awesome and that is the pinup artist hmm. are you familiar with novins yes do tell though i have i don't have this one so <laughs> first of all uh for those listening at home this is nsfw this is pure unapologetic hardcore erotica so, um, and, and props to Drew, cause you got to know someone to be able to send him this in the mail. You got, you got to be real sure that you know the tastes of the person you're sending this to. I have this book. You do? Yes. I, I haven't read it, but I have it. How have you not? Wait a minute. Dude, the second I took this out of the package and opened up the page, I said, I got to sit here and read this whole thing right now. How, uh, you, how do you own this and haven't read it? I, I have it. I'm sorry, but I've never read it. <laughs> it is a very simple conceit. Uh, it is um, there is a an old man who's in a wheelchair and has had a stroke, and there is a giant. His name is Gil Spam. There is a giant gallery showing of his artwork. Um, his granddaughter is wheeling him around the packed room in the gallery at the museum, and he is the world's most famous pinup artist. Um, and uh, it, by the way, No's first name is Ignacio. It's Ignacio No, and he's Spanish, not French. So apologies there. Uh, but and then so he's being wheeled around, and uh, a gentleman introduces himself, a young guy that uh, says he's his, he's he's the he's Spanish's biggest fan, and so excited to meet him, so forth, so on. And uh, and and the granddaughter says, "Oh, I'm gonna I'll show you around." You know, like oh, let's take let's walk around together. And they they go around and 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 then each chapter is basically a a pinup, and and it's a classic pinup, uh, very 
PG thirteen, um, very just just like a you know, titillating, but not not erotic or overt. And they start discussing it, and then then the granddaughter. There's a cutscene, and the granddaughter starts reminiscing about how she first came across the painting, and it generally involves her doing something naughty like masturbating or hooking up with somebody, and then they pan to the to to Mr. Spam in his vegetative state, and he's mumbling like no no like he can't like the word balloon is him just like making incoherent words, but then you get to the thought balloon. And he's like, of course I remember, asshole. How could I forget? And then it cuts to when he was the young viral creator. And we get to see the story of his life that led to him creating the moment where he had this muse, this vision to create this pinup. And in each case, each chapter is a incredibly um, graphic sexual encounter. So like the first pinup, just as an example, the first pinup is... Uh, a beautiful blonde woman, very Marilyn Monroe esque, sitting on a bench with the wind blowing her skirt up. Again, very evocative of the famous Marilyn Monroe moment where the wind is blowing up her skirt. And uh, what really happened, and there's a dog in the picture as well, getting his ears blown, uh, blown <laughs> up. What really happened is the the art it spam was walking across the street. And a dog was dead in the street because it was hit by a car. And the owner of the dog is 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 distraught. So he helps her take care of the dog, bury it, and give it a proper burial. And she's so overcome with uh, with with appreciation that they just go right at it, right in the middle of this of this uh, of this uh, little little graveyard, and just go crazy. And uh, and then. Uh, after after they 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 do the deed, um, a gust of wind blows by as the as the overhead uh, train moves, and it blows up her skirt, and you see her her vijay and everything, and and that is his that is his muse for that picture, and it just goes chapter by chapter with this, and then needless to say, during this the the uh, the young fan and the granddaughter become let's say uh um acquainted and uh it's just chapter after chapter of these uh incredibly naughty anecdotes and it's amazing it is amazing uh no's art is would have been absolutely fitting in in uh an ec comic if ec comics were pornographic it's it's gorgeous gorgeous stuff uh i i mean i'm just overwhelmed that i didn't know that uh that this existed in a lot of ways this looks like a more polished facially. The, the faces look a lot like Chaken. Like this is, this is definitely in the same school as black kiss. The difference being there's a, it's a much tighter, fully illustrated cartoony polished version of the kind of things Chaken was doing a black kiss. So just as puerile, just as, as, as graphic, just as erotic, but, but, but much more polished. It, it's like if you took Terry Dodson, and shaken and mixed their their illustrative styles together and created a porn comic and that's what this is and it is freaking awesome it is absolutely awesome every page uh i mean vince i mean uh, we're you know we're talking money shots we're talking i mean we're, there's there is there's nothing left of the imagination let's put it that way 
Well, needless to say, if you are a frequent uh, stop uh, stopper at our 11 o'clock comics page and you're looking for images from this to uh, illustrate what Jason is saying, you're not going to see them. I, I sent you one. No, I, I can't put the more explicit ones in the in the uh I mean not safe for work, yes, that's a given, but I really can't put the uh the well, what about the one I sent you? There's nothing Well I, I can use that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I can't use the full penetration ones. That's just No, 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 no. That's why I sent you the one I sent you because Thank it's you. just it's it's PG thirteen. But uh yeah. but yeah, and, and I don't um so this was produced in two thousand and ten by um no uh NBM Eurotica. Um it looks like they put out a bunch of his works back then. Uh, I looked; most of them are out of print, so I don't know if this was in Drew's collection or he found a used copy somewhere. Um, so this wouldn't be easy to find. It just so this is kind of a thing where I would say more like put this in your notes for when you're at a con and you're looking around, or if you're at a, I would imagine a lot of um, of the of the more well healed. Um, LCSs and say places like big cities might have this, but I gotta tell you, um, I, uh, I now I have this, I, I need to get all the others. I need all of them. <laughs> They're great. So there's the piano tuner volumes one and two. There's, uh, Aldana. And then there's one that looks really, really quite, uh, quite inappropriate. And I, I must have it. The convent of hell. <laughs> so, so I, I salute you, Mr. Ignacio, no, and I salute you, Mr. Drew Van Gendren, for uh, an, a wonderful, wonderful uh, addition to my collection. Yeah, I have Convent of Hell. It's filthy. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> Absolutely great. Pigs. All right, Dap, anything to add? Uh, no, nothing that'll top that. There you go. <laughs> we would like to thank our patrons for making this episode possible. If you would like to see what's going on down at the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Uh, there are many, many options you could uh, pick from. The most popular one of late is the Slack channel participation, where you can get an inside track and join us every day, every night, 24-7, talking on the Slack. We have a lot of fun. So look into that if you want in your travels, this is going to be weird. Uh, I I can't really recommend this book. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's. I see. Uh, I don't even know if I should say this because a lot of people are, are no longer going to speak to me. Or uh, oh. it's it's a book called No Longer Human. By Junji Ito. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's um original novel by Osamu Dazi. Ah, boy. It's, Dap is usually the one to say that he didn't get very far in the book because he found the, the protagonist to be reprehensible or there was nothing likable about the, the protagonist. Dap would make it about 20 pages into this thing. <laughs> The uh, the main character's name is Yozo Oba. And I like to label myself a misanthrope. 
to a certain extent, but Mr. Um, Mr. Oba's got it all over me. He finds it extremely distasteful to um, to communicate with human beings. He just can't seem to do it. Um, something wells up inside of him, and he he gets anxiety and fear. And it's not it's not a social anxiety. It's more of a anxiety where he just finds humanity just downright disgusting and disturbing. And so he can't bring himself to associate with people. So what he does is he becomes a clown where he does, he'll, he'll tell jokes or do, or do stupid things to make people laugh, thus diffusing any kind of discourse or um, social situation where he actually has to be himself. He he diverts attention by doing these really stupid, silly things. But unfortunately for the women in his life, he's very handsome. And because he's, on the surface anyway, so socially awkward, women are attracted to him because he's handsome, number one, and they they want to fix him. They want to help him. They want to nurture him. They want to mother him. Um, and he comes from a very, very well-to-do family. His father is a politician and owns a lot of land. So everything's provided for this kid to a certain point in this book. And he has a drinking problem because he just wants to make the world go away. He just finds it so distasteful that um, he wants to, to drink any kind of um, resonance that the world may have with him. But he draws women to him like crazy. He gets a lot of tail in this book. And in typical um, Ito fashion, a lot of the women come to very untimely ends. It's an anthology, but it's an anthology focusing on one character. So they each chapter is called a chain, not a chapter. So there's links in this character's existence. And it opens with he and a woman trying to commit suicide. They fling themselves into a, uh, a river, and you don't know how it, it pans out until later on in the book. And he tries to commit suicide a number of times within the, the narrative. But it doesn't work for him, but it works for the other person that he's um, trying to commit suicide with. And he's yeah he's not a likable character let's just put it that way i don't want to reveal too much of this in case mm -hmm. anybody wants to read it it's it's a it's a very very disturbing book um on a number of levels but the 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 major reason why i find this book distasteful is because i see a lot of myself in this character interesting yeah i wouldn't kill anybody but my my profound apathy could translate into some of the incidents that this character um, engages in. I, 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 I'm not proud of it, right? But as I'm reading this thing, I can, I don't want to say sympathize, but I can understand what this character's thinking. And it's not a pleasant experience. Right? Yeah. 
like um i i have my inner circle uh for which i care but outside of that i'm pretty unfeeling you guys know it right i i have this weird ability to just let things go not even think of them if if there's a unfortunate situation within my vision i can forget about it like that i can push it away wall it up not think about it i'm the anti dap right dap can't do that dap dap wants to help everybody wants to save everybody i have zero concern for doing that and it's not because i don't care on a human level it's just because i have this weird ap- apathetic thing that i i don't care I can't make myself care. And that's how this character is in this book. He pretends to care. He says things to women that lead them on and make them feel like he's the most important thing in their their world. But he's lying. And there's a character that pops up, this poor, deformed, he looks like he's basically special needs. And the this character sees right through Oba's uh, facade. He's like, you're lying. You meant for that to happen. And it terrifies this guy because someone sees through the, the, the mask. They, 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 they know what he is. It's a really, really disturbing book. Like, it, it almost hurts me to read it. But I got to finish it. it. And it's not, it's not short, man. It's almost 625 pages. Dang. And there's a lot of text. But... Yeah, I don't, didn't mean to scare you, but this character, he's hes not alien to me. Yep. Please don't read it. <laughs> don't read it. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing else. I don't know. I almost didn't want to talk about it, but I got to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. Yep. Uh, in your travels... Um... I won't uh, go long because this is finally, I don't want to say finally, it's, I, I read the third issue of Far Sector and things are, since it is a 12 issue series, um, we're finally getting a little bit more of our lantern, Joe Mullen, and this, it's bigger than a world that, that, that she is um, trying to keep the peace in. Um and she reacts, and it looks like uh, shit's finally the star popping. So, um, I I do not know why it took me until this comic book to be familiar with N.K. Jemison. I and I have to send you some photos, Vince. But I have a um, she has a collection of short stories called how long till black future month and i've been reading that book uh as time permits usually at night um i'm a few stories in and and i am i haven't felt this way about a writer in in a long time it's it's I, it's the same kind of feeling i had when when i read um what of earth from from Piers Anthony or or it, it, there's just something about some some writers I'll just I need to consume everything 
they've done. And, and I know that she has the, um, the dead earth trilogy, which I don't want to start something. It, it's there are times where I'll read a prose series or a novel and I'll just, I don't get halfway through and I put it down for whatever reason. And, and it takes me forever to get back. So I don't want to start something just, just yet, but I figured the short stories will also give me an idea as, as, as to, um, how her prose work is uh, compared to Far Sector, but I am um, I'm I'm in love with the woman's work, so I I, uh, I I definitely cannot wait for this to be collected. It, it Jamal Campbell's work is is still fantastic, looks great. All the characters are um, are unique, and and it works. I think Jamal's strength with with all the different aliens because Jamal can kind of go um go wild with with their designs but yeah the the way jemison writes joe and um and the rest of the inhabitants it's it's uh it's uh, there's some political in, in the story there's um i there may be some personal but it's it still looks great it reads great and um and yeah i i can't wait to um um, I'm, I'm going to keep reading. I'll double dip, but it's, it's, uh, it's a blast. And, and I don't know, you know, if you read the third issue and you haven't read the first two, um, I, I don't know if, if you'll be missing much, but I'm, I will definitely recommend this, uh, until it's over. So yeah, far sector number three. Respect. Um, well, I'm going to, I had something, but I'm, I'm going to scrap it for another drew book. Um, cause I don't know that I could go deep on this if I wanted to. Uh, and that is the aforementioned Tamens by Kim Salt. It is, uh, more of a mini comic. It's, um, it's a stapled soft paper cover, uh, cardstock cover from short box and it's 40 pages of story. And, uh, I did send Vince an image so y'all can see it, but it's a very, very distinctive, art style um very like single width fine point swirly line almost as if she draws most things without picking up the pen from the paper um and then mixes it with uh a fairly rigid geometric panel layouts that uh that are not just like four square but are kind of like inset uh, and um, sometimes non-rectangular uh, with just a hint of it's, it's essentially mostly white with a little bit of spot black. And then there's, there's hints of uh, like a mauve light pink uh, color scheme. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a more of a, an abstract conceptual comic than, than a hard and fast narrative. Basically it's two girls, sitting around chatting, kind of lamenting their lives. The protagonist has issues with intimacy. She puts up walls all the time and she wants to figure out a way around that. So her friend says, Oh, you need to try this app called Tamens." So she loads up the app and basically um, you put in your insecurities to the app. You then drink a cup of tea. Again, this is a little abstract. And when she drinks the cup of tea, it brings her into some kind of other 
reality, whether it be, I don't know if it's in her head or it's virtual, I'm not sure, it's not clear, but it's a, a table full of, of, of creatures, demons, um, uh, and she interacts with them in an attempt to basically get herself free of these walls that she's put up in the real world. And that's pretty much how the comic ends. Um, I mean, it's 40 pages without a ton of dialogue, um, but it's it's a beautiful book, and um, it's definitely unique, and it makes me lament that I haven't been picking up these short box collections that come out, so I need to fix that, I think. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said, this is on the far other end of the spectrum of kinds of comics that I've been digging of late, and uh, where it's just a, a very much... Um, purely out of the of Kim Salt's mind and very, very hard to put into any kind of box. It's just something she felt she needed to create, and I love that. And uh, very, very different than the, the hardcore erotica that, <laughs> that I got in the other one. So, um, yeah, it's terrific. And this one is not... Uh, this one is very much safe for work. I would recommend it to just about anybody with uh, a passing interest in, uh, in, in, in a pop art aesthetic. So, uh, good stuff. Sounds don't know how hard this one is to get either. I I don't, because like I said, I know it comes from the short box collection, so I I don't know if you can just easily buy this online or not. I haven't had a chance to check. I'll keep an eye out for it. Sounds good. Yeah, you would like this. You would like this. Yep. Cool. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here. We love you so much. If you want more of this hot mess, you can come to... (laughs) The uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit, because we're there all the time. But we're more on the Slack. And you can find out about that at patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In the meantime, uh-huh, say goodnight. You hate me, don't you now? <laughs> David. Hi. Who are you saying I hate you to? Everyone. Oh, they shouldn't. Mm, I, I can see them hating you. Uh, nice, nice. Cool beans. Oh, and we should let that the people in the bonus content know that we we done got our heroes flights arranged today. We did. We did. Yep. Yes, sir. It's lit. Unless there's any flight delays, we'll be there in time for beautiful lunch on Thursday. Oh, nice. That happened last year, too, didn't it? We were there for it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe do, depending on when the NC boys get into town, we'll maybe do a little road, little pub crawl, a little barbecue crawl. And I say last year, but it didn't happen last year because we didn't go last year. Yeah. Mario also is due to arrive around noon, so. Nice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. And we hope to see you, and I'm talking to the listener, at Heroes. Oh, hell yeah. Because it's going to be phenomenal. Going to be lit like a you-know-what. Yep. All right, come back, people. We'll be here waiting for you. We love you so much. Say goodnight, people. The book of the month? Oh, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Soon, right? <laughs> three <laughs> days? <laughs> we'll be back in three days for the book of the month. It's Gilbert Hernandez's... Troublemakers. Not the Valiant Troublemakers. Hernandez Troublemakers from Fanagraphics. Hernandez. Yes. 
We don't Season read three. enough Hernandez and Love and Rockets. We should have like we've been on a streak. Uh, yeah, but it's calculated because I feel bad. I, we just haven't dipped into that well enough. I mean, that's partially been my doing because I haven't enjoyed it. But true, it's true. But you, you know what? Like Mike Allred, you'll come around one day. Be like. These- but that being said, if you think about it, I mean, we haven't talked about this book yet. But in the last six months, we've gone deep on Birdland. Yep. Miss M. Is that it? Right Maria, it? Maria M. Maria M. Maria M. And now this. So yep. we're, we are making up for lost time. It's a gateway. I'm hoping to get you into Love and Rockets proper. I, dude, you know I've tried multiple times. I know. I know. But I am halfway through uh, Brat Pack right now. What? Yes. Wow. Didn't have a chance to finish it for tonight. but Are you loving it? It's great. Yeah, it's great. Nice. So wow. Now, now when it's back on Book of the Month, he's going to be like, nah, I just read that. I don't need to read Oh, that. yeah. So oh, this, yeah. See, no, it's a blessing and a curse, that. Oh, oh you can't. No, we can't have a Book of the Month now. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <sighs> oh, it's trifling. Yeah, say, it's be a say bye. Say bye. Say bye.